join me by taking either your bulletin or your Bibles or your device and turn to Acts chapter 2, beginning in verse 42. Acts 2, 42, we're going to look through the end of the chapter, chapter 2. Hopefully you got a sermon notes page that should have, we'll have two, two sides of it this week um, for you to take notes if that is helpful to you. Provided some blanks there with the main four points that I want to bring to you this morning with a, with a chart or a picture that you'll see on the screen here in a little while. But I, I hope that's helpful to you, and I welcome your feedback on how we can make it more helpful to you in taking notes and taking in the message each week. We are on a sermon series called First Things First. In these seven weeks, and we are in the fifth week of it, we have been looking at seven very important concepts, principles, ideas, doctrines, truths, priorities that not only the church must make as a priority of first importance, but so should you or I, not just because you or I make up the body of Christ, and so we are going to impact and we are to make an influence upon the church, because these seven things are really important in my life, and they're important in your life. They're important in every person's life. The first four weeks we looked at the importance of the Word of God. The Word of God is central to everything. It is our source of life and our authority for all things. It got, and therefore, it tells us in all things what our purpose is for. And our purpose is to root our entire lives and our entire joy in the glory of God and to pursue God in His glory. This service is not primary about you or me. It is about God. But thankfully, God in His grace, when we put Him first, when we come to Him and, and submit to His way, He feeds and nourishes and cares for us and gives us all that we need. The third week, we, we looked at the Christ in the Gospel, the, the Gospel of Jesus, that Christ died for my sins. And He died for your sins. And you look to Him for your righteousness is not in any of your works or any of your striving, but is the righteousness that has been applied to you by what Jesus did on the cross when he died. And you receive that righteousness by faith alone. Repudiating your ability to be righteous, your ability to make, make up for your sins, and accepting by faith His gift. Now this last week we looked at our mission. The church's mission is threefold. We exist as a church to worship God, and for those who are worshipers of God, we are always growing and we need to be nurtured and cultivated and built up in, the, in our faith. Because we're not born strong. We're not born physically strong and we're not born spiritually strong. We need to be nurtured and built up, and the church exists to worship God, nurture each other, but not just to nurture each other so that we just sit around and become a nice little Christian country club, but to go 
and take that transforming truth that should transform us and bring it to the world in foreign missions, in supporting them, and going as missionaries, but also in evangelism and in gracious acts of mercy in our communities, in our world. Okay, so this morning, as I, I'm gonna, I want to build up on all those things. So I, I want you to follow me for a minute. So I said, we need to take this book, and this book is our authority, and this book points us to God to orientate everything to God. And in, in orienting everything to God, it says, how do we have a relationship with this God, and how, how in the world do we then live out this to the world we can't do it on our own. We need it through the gospel of Jesus Christ who saves us. And that God who saves us and that gospel becomes everything in our lives. That Christ died for my sins. It's not just the beginning of my Christian life. It's every aspect of my Christian life. The way I live my life now, I live continually connecting to Christ died for my sins. So today I can leave my family. Christ died for my sins, so today I can go out and be a good employee in my job. Today, Christ died for my sins, so that can, is the foundation of how I can be a good student in school, or how I can obey my parents, or how I can, you can fill in the blank. But the gospel drives us to a mission. That mission is to be a people set apart for God, who worship Him, are growing in the faith, and loving the world. Loving the world by giving the message of the gospel, and by showing acts of love. Now, here's the point that I want to make. I want to make this morning. We do it together. We are on mission, transformed by the gospel, for the glory of God, because God's word tells us to, we do it together. And I want to talk about that together, and it's a very unique thing. I love the idea, I, I, I love the story of the Lord of the Rings. Maybe you've seen the movie, the movie series, which are very long. Maybe you've read the book, which is one book, but it's divided into three, three books. And in the first book, it's called, what? The Fellowship of the Ring. The Fellowship of the Ring. There's a quote from Elrond who says, nine, nine companions, so be it. You shall be the fellowship of the ring. This, this fellowship, the fellowship of the ring, was made up of nine people. I don't know if you call them people, because they're not men. Not all men. The fellowship of the ring was formed as a brotherhood among members of the various free peoples of Middle-earth. You had Sam Gamgee, and Pippin, and Mary, and Aragorn, and Boromir, and Legolas, and Gandalf, and Gimli, and Frodo. And the nine of them, four hobbits, two men, one elf, one dwarf, and one wizard, all had a mission. They all had a calling. They all were united by one central mission, purpose, and goal. They were to take the ring that with that ring was taken by the enemy it would destroy and bring evil across all the world. They had to take that ring to the Mount of Doom where it was once forged, throw it in there to have it destroyed. They are an important mission in this story of Middle Earth. They were called the Fellowship of the Ring, nine, who were to take that ring 
this special mission and take care of it. I want you to look at Acts 2.42. And I want you to ponder two words especially, and I want us to then think about them for what that means for Faith Baptist Church and what that means for your life and my life. And, and let's look at verses 42 through 47. As you remember, this is the beginning of the church age. This is that the Spirit has come down and been poured out through uh, Pentecost in this same chapter. They received power. The Holy Ghost came upon them, and they're witnesses to the ends of the earth that's going to happen. The gospel is going to spread all over the world in the coming years, in the coming decades, in the coming centuries. And we find here that after this great work has happened, Peter is preaching the gospel in Acts 2. We, we get a summary of what's happening in the church. It's a very good summary, and verse 42 needs to be focused on. And they devoted themselves, verse 42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, which is the teaching about Jesus Christ that the apostles had learned firsthand from Jesus Christ. To the apostles' teaching, and mark those words, the fellowship. To the breaking of bread and the prayers. Next Sunday we're going to look at the prayers. We're going to look at prayer. Here's a result. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together, and all had things in common. And they had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number, day by day, those who were being saved. Let's pray. God, would you make your word alive to our hearts, our minds, our wills, and we would obey it. We would not see your word as food to be looked at and taken a picture of and then put to the side, but to be taken and eaten. And would you so use your word to nourish us and strengthen us as a body of Christ here in Linden. In Jesus' name, amen. What is fellowship? What is the fellowship? Maybe this morning, as you come in here, there is images of Fellowship Hall. We're going to go down, and we'll meet in Fellowship Hall later to this morning, and we're going to do this. That's what you think of as fellowship. Maybe you've heard a phrase, we're going to have an evening of fun, food, and fellowship. What do we often mean by that? We mean chatting and getting together and laughing and socializing. Maybe you think of fellowship as a Monday night football gathering. Maybe a knitting or a craft night. Maybe a Bible study. Maybe you think of it anything where Christian socializing takes place. That's fellowship. Well, I would say that in all of those areas, fellowship can happen. Fellowship often does happen or should happen. But those things don't do not make what 
Acts chapter 2 is talking about the fellowship. They devoted themselves to fellowship. Whatever it is, we, might, we find the early church doing this fellowship. And not only are they doing it, they were devoting themselves to it. Acts says that they devoted themselves to the Word of God or the Apostles' teaching. That shouldn't surprise us. We know that they should devote themselves to the Word of God. And they devoted themselves to prayer. We know they should do that. But here it says they devoted themselves to the fellowship. That word in the Greek is koinonia. And I only say that because that word is significant because in your Bible, in your English translation, whether you use the ESV or King James Version or the New American Standard or NIV, whatever you do, they, it translates it different ways, a different kind, because that word has a broad sense of meaning, but they were devoted to the koinonia, the fellowship. And so should we as a church. And I hope that you come away with a greater appreciation, a greater joy, and a greater earnestness to desire to pursue a devotion to the fellowship. And I want to share with you four aspects of it, and I want to bring it out in a definition that I'm going to put up on the screen here. here here's where I want you to see. Do we have this here? The fellowship. Fellowship is the new spiritual community, and it's small up there, and so if you, you go on the website, and if you need, we'll send you the link, and you can have the sermon notes. Fellowship is, this is just one I want to get, spiritual community in Christ that every believer shares, resulting in four things, at least four aspects. I, I want, I'm going to say it, we'll leave it up here. Fellowship is the new spiritual community in Christ that every believer shares, resulting in and characterized by warm, family relationships, deep spiritual communion, united gospel partnership, and eager godly generosity. I'm sorry if it's too small, but this is what I want you to... We're going to leave it there, and I want to tell you that I want you to get this point, and I just want to pack those four points, and then we're going to go practice it with communion. Four things. There's four things. What, what fellowship is, it's you... Not only do we do fellowship, and we're to do fellowship, we are the fellowship. And we are to be devoted to the fellowship. The fellowship is a new spiritual, when I say spiritual community, that is, you, you might have, you might have a different, you have a Hmong community, you might have a different ethnic community in your neighborhood, you, that's how we refer to a certain community, or you have different communities. We are a new spiritual community. That is characterized by the Spirit of God that has come. That's what would happen in Acts 2. What was true of all of them, they believed. And how did they believe? The Spirit came on them as they heard the gospel. And something ra radically was happening, and they were saved. And so there's this happening here. We are a spiritual... If you're sitting here, there's something that happened to you if you have come to know Christ. If you have been saved or rescued, you are... You, you're brought into the fellowship. Whether you like it or not, and you'll like it. God intends for you to like it. God intends for you to grow into loving it. You, you become part of the fellowship that is united by His Spirit. And there's a phrase that's used throughout the Scriptures, and it's in Christ. You're, we're in Christ. We're in Christ together. There's a bunch of pieces of bread here that we are going to take out, but they came from one loaf. We are all from one loaf, one body. We are from Christ. We are united to Christ. And that didn't happen by my physical birth. 
That did not happen by your physical birth. It happened by what we call a spiritual birth when you came to know Jesus Christ. And sitting here, I want you to just pause and look to your left and look to your right and look in front of you. And I want you to think, and we have a lot of heads nodding and stretching. And I want you to think about this when you sing later. Sometimes just turn around. Not, not to, so, sometimes we're afraid to look around because we think then we can't focus on the words. But there is something about how we're not meant to sing here and kind of close our eyes. Unless, I mean, sometimes closing your eyes helps you focus on the words. But the whole point isn't for us to have our own little spiritual moment, isolated by ourselves with our own, if we could have our own earphones in there, our own earphones, because we're having our own moment. There is something about we're together. And I am united to those that are with me here. And God did it. And it means something. And sadly, I would say that all many of you could come to me and say, yes, Daniel, but I want to tell you this experience I've had with church, and this experience I've had with church, and this experience I've had with churches. And I didn't, I didn't experience this. Yes, because of sin. But God's intention is that the fellowship, this true spiritual union that's, that's rooted in an objective reality that we are saved in Christ, means something. And there, it means at least four things. I say it's, they, are, they result in the spiritual relationship. It results in something, and it's characterized by it. Here are the four things. Number one, warm family relationship. If you're part of the fellowship, if you're a believer, you have been brought and united into Christ, into the fellowship that must begin with warm, true warm relationship, warm family relationship. We talked about this last week, that when you're, the nurture of the church brings you into a family where you have now a brother and a sister and aunts and uncles and moms and dads and grandpas and grandmas in, some, in just a metaphorical way at least, in a spiritual way. You have people that are coming along and caring and loving you, and that is what it meant to be. Now, I say this to say not, that's just how it happens automatically. Yes, God's Spirit does it, but He does it as we are committed to doing it. By we are committed to praying, saying, God, will you work this in, your, in our lives and help us to be intentional about this happening. The fellowship, for us to be devoted to the fellowship, is to say, I am with these people in this room right now in a family relationship. Not marked by birth, but by the new birth. And I, am com- and I have been put in that family relationship that is so profound that I am going to sacrifice, I am going to love, I am going to care, I am going to pray, I am going to at times reprove and challenge and exhort those around me because I am part of them. And the fellowship that takes place and must take place is based on the fact that I am in a relationship. I became the pastor here and therefore a member here. And I, I just, I'm still feeling that this is wow, this is amazing. I have, this is a new moment in my own life. I am here and I am now entering into something. Yes, in, in some ways, I was already part of your family living in Wisconsin and Minnesota for the last 15 years because we are united in Christ. 
But God in his plan geographically brought us here and organizationally brought us here. And so we are all together in a family, and we need to grow in that. And that, and there are at least, I wrote down four things, and I'm just going to put them up here. You can write them down, they'll be in the notes. Four things that that means that I didn't make up, but they're in Scripture. Four things about a formed family relationship that we should increasingly grow in, and we should we should regularly examine ourselves and say, are we as a church being this? And if not, let's grow in it. Let's pray. Let's repent of it and ask God to help us. They pray for one another. Or I should start. They, they care for one another. If you're in a family, you care for someone. We, Paul says it in 1 Corinthians 12 in different ways, but he sums it up in verse 26. If one member suffers, and Jay was alluding to this as we sang, and we sang, it is well with my soul. And we wanted to sing that because when I sing that, I often think of funerals or times when there's a suffering situation and we're all moved. And what happens? We're all singing it together. And sometimes we're singing it knowing that brother so-and-so is so much pain. And we go, it is. I, I want to. I want to be with you in this moment, and when so and so is hurting, when she's hurting deeply, we we suffer together. And it says, if one member is honored, all rejoice together. We as a church need to care for one another. I'm getting to know this church. I do see a lot of caring for one another, but I know because. We live in a sinful world that, that needs to grow, and we need to care for one another. And secondly, family members honor one another. They, they treat each other with honor. There are many ways in which Paul said this, and it's Paul who drives this home many ways. He says in Romans 12, outdo one another. Romans 12:10, outdo one another in showing honor. Have, have you thought about that? Have you outdone somebody this morning in showing honor? There's a competition in the heart. Not, it's not meant to be a selfish competition. It's just a way of talking that Paul is saying, I want to so show honor. And I would say honor is saying, I want to treat someone special, do more than, I was, than is expected in order to bless that person. He wrote to the Philippians and said to them this way, in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. We do that when we go, hey, that song doesn't excite me, but it might be a blessing to somebody else. So I'm going to sing, and I'm going to learn to like it, because it's got good words. It's just not my style, but I want to show honor to someone else, because I know it's a blessing to that person, to someone that's older than me or younger than me. We show honor to one another. A warm family relationship also reproves one another. We have to do that carefully. Reproving means to show challenge or sometimes rebuke or point out a sinful way. And there's there's a hundred ways to do that wrong. There's probably a couple ways to do it right. Um, not really. But Galatians 6 1 says, Brothers, if anyone's caught in a transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you also be tempted. Family, they reprove one another. They, brothers, if someone wanders from the truth, James says, someone who brings him back, let him know whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. Paul told Timothy, preach the word, and, and would you do it? Reprove, rebuke, exhort. That, that's included in that. And then a formed family prays for one another. Pray for one another. 
Are you praying for one another? Would you commit this week to pray for not just the one that's in your small group or in your Sunday school class or who you would naturally like to get together in this room, but take one other person that you don't know yet or that maybe your personalities conflict more. They just, they just, they don't die. And you pray for them. That's number one. So that's the main, that's the first thing. If the fellowship means that we are in a warm family relationship and we need to pursue that. So we've got to think about that. We've got to pursue that. Number two, we're a deep spiritual communion. Now, that's a big, that's a word we don't use communion unless we're talking about this, communion. And the word communion, if you were to look it up in the dictionary, it relates to like a, a deep intimacy. If you are, if you're a friend and you have communion with your other friend, it means that you you're able to share something very closely with that person on a subject that means a lot to you and impacts you. So some people have communion over their favorite books and literature. Some have it over their favorite sports team, and some over hunting, and some over Pinterest, and some over all different types of things. They have communion over that. But there's a spiritual communion that we have. There's a spiritual communion that we have that the fellowship matters. We have a close spiritual intimacy. God saved you too. Me too. He died for my sins. He died for yours too. It's amazing. He you are, you, are, you are a mess, and you struggle with being a mess. But God's in your work, life le- not leaving you alone. Me, too. We, we, are, we, ha- we enjoy a... Sp- the fellowship means that we have a spiritual communion, and it means we should pursue spiritual communion. It means that fellowship... When we talk about, did you go have fellowship? We're going to go have fellowship after when we go to Applebee's. We're going to go Buffalo Wild Wings to have fellowship. Well, you might. But do you mean by that, here are some, some things that I think are felt that relate to this aspect. Deep spiritual communion means sharing biblical truth together. It means saying, hey, I want to share with you what God did for me this week in His Word. This, this promise was so good. This, this truth needed it. I needed it so bad, and maybe it would be an encouragement to you. Hey, I want to, I want to share with you this. I, I'm not preaching at you, but I want, to, I want to bless you with this. And hey, what's going on in your life? Can you tell me what, what are you learning? It's, there's a sharing God's Word with one another. That's communion. It's also openness with one another. It means confessing our sins to one another. Hey, will you pray for me? I'm struggling with this. I need this. I need your help. One of, one of, the, one of the signs of a communion that takes place in real fellowship is when you can be real. Hey, how are you doing? I'm not doing good at all. And instead of walking away going, that's nice, because you're expecting, a, I'm doing fine, you go, really? Thanks for sharing that. How can I pray for you? What's going on? If I don't have time right now, hey, can we get together later? I'd like to know. It is an openness with one another, not to just whine, not to just vent, but to, to 
to be open in such a way because you know that I'm united with someone else and God means for me to grow and we together grow and that person helps point you to Christ, point you to help, point you to strength in God. It also means accountability. I think that's implied when when Paul said to in Ephesians 5, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. We submit to one another and we, we hold each other accountable. If someone is struggling and, and sinning, we, hey, hey, I want to talk to you about this. Can I hold you accountable? Can I pray for you on this? We hold each other accountable as one of the ways in which we actually have communion. This, these type of things could take place in small groups, Bible studies, home gathering, shepherding groups, just impromptu, man, you build a friendship with these three couples, and you guys, hey, let's just gather together. We don't, and when we say fellowship, we want to share God's word. We want to be open with one another. We want to hold each other accountable. And lastly, pray for, with one another. There's something about praying with someone other, one another. And sometimes there's a mentoring that goes on. Someone has grown in the faith, and they, they're going to teach them by praying with them as they seek God and His help. We're going to talk about prayer next week. So that's number two. That's first two. Number one, we're in a family. That family then means something. It means we have communion with one another. There, there's, we have something in common that's really special. It's spiritual. Christ died for our sins, and we are in the same family, and we have the same purpose and same plan, and we have the same authority, and the same. all of that is united. The third thing that I want you to see about fellowship is it's a united gospel partnership. The fellowship, in the fellowship of the ring, these nine beings were called to take a ring. They were to partner together in order to take that ring. One was carrying it. Only one could carry it. Only one person had this ring on a chain around his neck, Frodo. The rest of them, one would actually carry his knapsack at times. Another one was protecting. Some of them were going in a different direction, but they were all united and were meant to be united in order to protect the ring so the ring would not get into enemy hands so that it could get to the place so they could destroy it and have victory. So we are united, all of us, in a partnership for a common purpose, and that's what—that's a concept of fellowship. Fellowship is the fact that we, together, all of us, Faith Baptist Church, have a mission together. And I can't do it alone, and you can't do it alone, and Pastor Jack can't do it alone, and Pastor Jay and the deacons can't, and you sit here, we can't do it alone. We partner together. It's that... that Really, the word koinonia in this sense has partnering. It's a business sense where we together have a common mission and goal and purpose statement for our business, and we're going to go and we're going to execute it to the best of our ability. So koinonia in this sense, fellowship in this sense, is we exist together as Faith Baptist Church to go and we worship God, and we are going to serve the world through evangelism and the gospel, making disciples, and we are to build up the body and nurturing the body. That, that is, we are to do it together. We do it together. Paul said it this way, I thank God whenever I pray for you because I remember your partnership. That's the word koinonia. Your partnership in the gospel. Your partnership in the gospel. From this day until now, we are, we are partners together in the gospel in three ways. One, by giving. This 
these offering plates that are sitting out here, and they're going to be passed towards the end. Don't think of it as, I'm giving so we can keep the lights on. I'm giving because I like the pastors. I want them to get a salary. I'm giving because I like this idea of Faith Baptist Church. Don't do that. Give because you love the gospel. Because you love partnering together so that God will do what He says He's going to do through the way He intends to do it. It's through His people, moving in people's hearts to enjoy true koinonia, or fellowship, where they go, I love this mission. God gave me money. He gave me gifts. He gave me goods. It's all God's. I give a portion of it, saying, all of it's yours, God, but I am so committed to what I've been about, and that's a mission to bring the evangelize and to make disciples. And so I give and I partner by giving. That's exactly what Paul was saying in Philippians 4. At the end of the chapter, he says, thank you. He said, no other church partnered or fellowshiped with me in giving and receiving but you. And you did that, Philippian church. You gave to my needs so that I could go and do what I needed to do. And and he says, and my God will supply all your needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. To him be the glory and praise. They partnered through giving. They learned, if we're gonna, they, learned, they learned to partner in giving with him, but not only that's not the only way we partner. Secondly, they partnered by praying. Paul says it throughout here. We're going to see this next week clearly, so I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this, but prayer is so important. And if we're going to enjoy fellowship here at Faith Baptist Church, we are a praying church. We pray for each other. You pray for the pastors. You pray for those that are doing ministry. You're praying for that group that goes out and passes out cards in that in a certain neighborhood. You're praying for the happenings that are going to take place in Linden. You're going to pray for all these things. And we say, God, would you do a work? Paul did that. He said, would you partner with me? Would you fellowship with me through your prayers? Because I'm going to go do a thing, and it won't happen well unless you actually pray for me. And in your fellowship and prayer, your partnership and prayer is what I need you to do so that he writes things like this, that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit, I might have deliverance, Philippians 1, 18 and 19. Or continue steadfastly in prayer, Colossians 4, 2, and pray for us that God may open the door for the Word. Paul ends his first Thessalonians, his letter to the Thessalonians, brothers, just pray for us. And 2 Thessalonians 3, finally, brothers, pray for us that the Word of God may speed ahead and be honored. That's how you partner, and that's how we do it. We, we need to figure out ways in our church to strive to partner together to fellowship and pray, in prayer. We partner through prayer. And lastly, we partner with serving. We partner with serving, and that is you and I using our gifts. Not everyone's called to preach. Some of you will be called to preach. Some of you young men will be called to preach, I believe. You'll be equipped to do that. We need to equip you to do that. But all of you are called to serve. There are some people in here, we're going to talk about this next week, as I said, that are partnering, using, serving gifts through prayer. You're giving it through giving. You're doing it through serving. There are some things that you're doing here that, that if you didn't do it, I or somebody else that's doing other work has to do it. We work together serving and partnering in using our gifts for the body. Romans 12, 41 says, having gifts that differ according to the grace of God, but you all have them. We talked about that last week. Part of 
nurture? Is everyone serving? Use them. Use them. Now, I wrap up with the fourth one. So we have godly family. We have a warm family relationship. And we have communion, spiritual, deep relationship communion where we share with God's Word and share close to the spiritual things. And thirdly, we partner together. Lastly, there's a concept of fellowship that we can't miss here. And it ties a lot of these together. It's more about the tone and the attitude. It's a reality that I can't ignore. And it is an eager, godly generosity. The idea of fellowship was godly, eager generosity, or eager, godly generosity. You see it in many places in the new church. And it was something that they were enjoying fellowship, and it resulted in amazing giftedness of giving. Giving of their possessions, giving of their money. In Acts 2, we're seeing them sharing everything. We're, they're sharing things in common. Those that were needed, they... they they, they had come from out of, out of state, out of the country, out of the area, and they were being provided for. And there are many passages that say that koinonia, or fellowship, is, is used for giving. For instance, in Romans 15, Paul says, Macedonia and Achaia were pleased to make a fellowship for the poor, a, a contribution for the poor, my translation says, among the saints. Or share or fellowship with God's people who are in need. That means most English translations say share with God's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. 2 Corinthians 9.13 is their generosity in sharing or having fellowship with them and everyone else. What we find here is that when God unites a people to be a type of family that share communion and they are so excited because God saved them, and now they're on mission for something. They're partnering together. He just go. He, he helps them actually have perspective of their possessions, their money, their talents, and their time. And they go, it's not mine. It's God's. And God has put it in my hand. I am his manager, and I get to actually pursue my joy... By, actually, by giving and loving and helping other people. The generosity here that we find in the church isn't just giving to the general fund so that the church can have pastors and so the church can do their ministries. It includes that, but it's much more than that. This is generosity that looks around and is very keen and very careful to go, hey, that person I, I could sense probably has a need because I'm getting in their lives and I, I'm their family. And I, I'm going to help take care of this bill. I'm going to help take care of this need in their lives. I'm going to take that person out, and I'm going to help find out how I can minister to them. In fact, we're going to, in just a minute, we're going to take an offering after the communion, and we're going to, in that offering, I want you to hear this. Every communion Sunday, we, we give to the Grace Fund. And that is, that is a, that, that goes for the deacons and pastors to give out to those that are in need, both unbelievers and believers that we know of, to minister to. And so you can designate your offering this morning to the Grace Fund, and then there'll be deacons in the back with baskets as well. That is fellowship. There, there is a lot to say on this. There are enemies. There are enemies to fellowship. I just want to list them. It might be selfish individualism, me. That's one of my, my, I'm the biggest problem to my fellowship. 
You're probably your biggest problem is our own selfishness. Personality blame keeps us from getting involved and enjoying fellowship. I'm an introvert. I have a hard time doing that. I'm an introvert. I get so anxious when I do this. Or I'm an extrovert, and so I'm good at it anyway, so I don't need to do it. I'm already practicing it elsewhere, and so we, we don't do it. Or respectable sins, sins of the tongue, gossip, slander, keeps us from fellowship, unforgiveness, envy, and jealousy, general worldliness. I love other things rather than God. Or even fearful unbelief. My challenge is, church, be devoted to fellowship. But I can't just say that, be devoted to fellowship. Because you and I can't be devoted to fellowship apart from God's grace. So I say be devoted to fellowship by this. Look to the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you're going to have any hope to be good at fellowship. If you want to grow in this warm family relationship, if you want to grow in partnership, if you want to grow in community and generosity, look to how God made a family with you. Look how God has communed with you. Look how God has come and partnered with His Son, the Trinity, God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, came to rescue you and partner that, that you might be saved. And look how he has done, he has given he gave his only begotten son. So I want I want to give you this word. If you think about okay, I need to grow in praying for one another here. I need to start. I, maybe it's giving. It's maybe it's it's saying okay, I want to use my gifts and serving. I need to learn how I can pray. And we're going to talk about that in the coming months because this isn't something that we need to take these seven points and go okay, that's good. Now let's move on. The deacons are talking about, okay, how do these seven points, how does fellowship drive what we do on Sunday morning, what we do on Wednesday night, what we do during the week? Are we truly having fellowship? Are we going to grow to have fellowship in these areas? But this is what I want to leave with you, and then we're going to go to this table, and we're going to sing and go to this table. Listen to Paul's words to the church in Corinth. For the love of Christ controls us. Because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him, who for their sake died and was raised. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. We no longer view each other as just another person, but as someone united because Christ died for me. Because Christ is my life. He rescued me. He brought me into relationship. Hallelujah. What a Savior. And we're going to, right now, we are going to come to this table. I'm going to invite the worship team. Why don't you come on up and get, right, we're going we're gonna to sing, When I Survey the Wondrous Cross. We are going to have communion with each other. We are going to have communion with God. We are going to eat together. That's what fellowship, fellowship, you eat together. And in eating together, you're sharing, you're sharing this moment. Now, we're not eating a normal, regular meal, but we're eating in a, in a way called the Lord's Supper. It's where God's people gather and they remember the Lord's death. They proclaim the Lord's death until He returns. They, they remember that He died for us and we have life. He has 
blood was shed for us, that our sins may be forgiven. We are a new people. This is actually, this is not a funeral, funeral section of the sermon. Some people, oh, this community, we've got to be all solemn and all. No. Yes, it's we remember the death. But we go, his death doesn't mean anything bad anymore. I mean, it was, it was terrible. The innocent Son of God died for me. But this is my glory. This is my fam- This is why I'm new in Him. I have His righteousness. I have His power. I am someday going to be raised from the dead. I, it's not all there yet. There's a lot that has to happen. But God is at work and He's promised to do it. And that's why we're all here. And so we're going to sing. And then after we sing, we're going to gather in lines and come here and, first, and we're going to take bread and juice. And we're going to celebrate. I'm going to say more about it in a minute. So let's take this time to examine ourselves. And I want you to examine yourself with one another. And think, okay, God, how am I doing with fellowship? God, help me to grow in it. Thank you for it. So let's, let's play and sing. Let's stand together. Set our eyes. Survey your wondrous cross.